Can I take your picture? I'm capturing and preserving their image. Some kind of evidence of existence. Hello everyone and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about Cinema Rediscovered, which was a huge thrill last year to be able to go and attend and, you know, it was full of activities and people and films and, you know, there were all kinds of discoveries and really I'm very, very sad that I won't be able to make it this year. I also can't make it this year. I think your, your reason for not being able to make it is much more glamorous than mine because you've been invited to speak at another film festival. I can't go because there are no trains running. Ah, of course. <laughs> uh, so Cinema Rediscovered, it's an annual festival. It's much like Richard Vato. It's, it's devoted to new restorations, but also kind of themed programs to cover a certain aspect of film history. I was looking at the program for the last couple of years and there's surprisingly little crossover with Ritrovato, which is, I, I mean, that's a good thing. When I first heard about the festival before I went, I, I assumed they were just doing a best of Ritrovato. But actually, it's not. It, it, obviously, some of the new restorations are the same because there's not an infinite amount of new restorations. The kind of themed programmes are individual to, to Cinema Rediscovered. It is smaller scale than Ritrovato, so that's three screens over the course of four days or so. But it also has a really good outreach programme, I think, in terms of the, there's also a as well as the festival in Bristol, there's a touring program uh, that takes some of the themed series really to whichever cinemas in the UK want to book them. The pre-code films last year came to my local cinema in Oxford. I think the the women directors from the Global South season did a bit of a tour as well. And, and similarly this year, they're offering a tour of, of some of those highlights. Something we complained about Richard Votto not doing, Cinema Rediscovered has a partnership with Movie something is accessible wherever you are. What I admire about uh, Cinema Rediscovered, why I thought it was such a great experience last year, is not just that it does what you expect uh, a film program like that to do, which is um, you know, to, to bring new prints into town, to, to discover or highlight uh, films that have been a bit forgotten in the past and would deserve to be reseen, uh, to have workshops about the burning issues of the day, whatever they're conceived as being, all those great things that uh, this type of uh, film program, film festival does. What I really admired about it was also the way that it seemed to bring in, you know, all of the community together in Bristol. There were like film buffs and people from the university and lots of volunteers in all the areas and kind of, you know, all of this intermingling and all of this bringing of people with different skills who in some sense volunteer their labor to make this happen. It's kind of a great thing, a great advertisement for the city, actually. And it's a real cultural highlight. It kind of, you know, makes me slightly sorry and embarrassed that Birmingham doesn't have anything like it. Or what this kind of brings to mind is how important individuals also are, how they make a difference, how, you know, without all of these individuals grouping together to create something like Cinema Rediscovered, it would not take place. Given we've said all those really nice things about the festival, I'll, I'll, I'll come in with a, a slight criticism. There's the same number of events this year as there were last year, but they're organized into fewer strands. 
and actually it feels that those strands are kind of less diverse than they were last year so last year there was the the women's stories from the global south there was black paris josephine baker and beyond uh, as well as things like pre-code hollywood and when europe made hollywood the this year the main strands feel to me very like us centric it's, it's an interesting still a very very interesting selection of films but a very kind of a, a real bias towards american cinema so the first one being um down and dirty american diy restored which is a, a series of films about, about which i know nothing i mean maybe you know more about these films uh from the kind of 80s and 90s of american indie films or new restorations and then a film where a series uh, about the hollywood renaissance and the blacklist so effectively blacklisted filmmakers coming back into hollywood in the 70s uh and there there's some you know some real quite interesting rarities but also some much better known films like Serpico and MASH and, and, and that kind of thing. And the other ones, is, there's a section on, on new restorations, which you'd expect in this kind of festival. One about reframing film, which is all about you know, screenings on film in, in, in various different formats. And then one focused on Bristol, which they also did last year. So bringing in that, that kind of local interest area. One of the dangers I find about anchoring programs to new releases, and this is true of Ricciovato as well, uh, but, but Ricciovato is so big and it has so many resources that you feel it less. But I think one of the dangers is tying the programming too much to restorations, because actually a lot of the money and a lot of the restorations and a lot of the resources are really devoted to American films. I've rarely seen you know, a Spanish film restored that then gets shown at, you know, Cinema Rediscover, or in fact, an Indian film, or unless it's like one of those world classics that has made Sight and Sound's top list for the last 50 years. Yeah, so you get La Règle du Jeu. But actually, you don't get all those fascinating uh, restorations that, uh, you know, Pathé and the French Cinematheque are doing, or, you know, what is being done in Germany. You know, you sometimes buy a Siotmak DVD and it's a brand new restoration. It hasn't circulated almost anywhere, right? Mm. Except maybe or, Bologna. Um, or or the, the, the Film Foundation stuff. So the, you know, the, the, the ones in the Cinema Libero season we talked about the, the other week in Richard Vata. So one of those is showing and we're going to be talking about, which is a brilliant film, but, it, but it's the American one, not the, not, not the Iranian ones or, or whatever. I think it's a real danger well, a danger only in the sense that it, it offers an overly limited view, yeah? And what you want these film festivals to do is to open up avenues of thinking and seeing and cultures. Yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. And it also, because we talked about this a bit last year with the, the pre-code season, the, those, yeah, the pre-code films they showed were, were great, but they weren't the best examples necessarily of the, of, of the genre. Um, but essentially they were, because that season was tied into being a touring program, which is obviously a good thing, they were restricted to films that were available as, as, as digital prints that could then tour around. So it's kind of a bit of a trade-off between uh, doing what Richard Arto can sometimes do and just show show some real obscurity on some kind of you know vintage 35mm print from the 
Japanese film archive or whatever, combined with showing you know a digital copy of something that is then available everywhere else. It's a tricky balance, I think. It's not really a criticism of the festival, but it's it's just the way they have to operate. I think. Let's let's explore that a bit further. I mean, there is a, a strand of seventies films, right? That is the touring bid, like the pre-codes were last year. So what films is that strand showing? So this strand, Look Who's Back, The Hollywood Renaissance and The Blacklist, it's an interesting mix. So some of these films are very well known or reasonably well known. So Tell Them Willie Boy is here, Shampoo, MASH, Midnight Cowboy, Serpico. Some of those new restorations, I think Serpico is a new restoration. And then others that I, I don't really know much about. So Uptight, Claudine, it's four very well-known films and, and two probably to, to mainstream audiences less well-known films. Well, it depends on what the intent of the season is, really. They're all kind of, I think, great films, but it's an odd picture of 1970s American cinema as well. It's specifically looking at the contribution of the generation of Hollywood voices that were blacklisted in the 40s and 50s. So... That's the specific idea behind the choice of these films. They were written or directed or whatever by by people who had been blacklisted in the 40s and 50s and had come back, which is an interesting angle. But it, it's a little like the, the season they did last year uh, about European exiles working in the American film, film industry in the 40s and 50s, so Fred Zinnemann and etc etc so sure, it, it, it kind of ties in with that i think i saw that tell them willy boy is here uh i noticed that it was directed by abram polonsky who was who was blacklisted i guess i'm not knowledgeable enough to know how serpico or midnight cowboy or shampoo where the blacklist fits into those films lee grant who stars in who appears in shampoo was, had black- been black- was blacklisted. Serpico was written by Waldo Salt. Ah, right, who yes. Had, was blacklisted. Yes, Mash was written by Ring Lardner Jr. It's, it's a pity then that they didn't also program some Hollywood films that were about the blacklist because it took that long to make them, right? And I'm thinking here specifically of The Front, yeah, with Woody Allen. And I'm also thinking of The Way We Were, which actually, with Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford, that you know, is a romance, but actually it covers that period and is about that. One of the other main se- sections is, is called Down and Dirty, American DIY Restored. So it actually looks very interesting. It's, it's sort of American indie, sort of lo-fi indie films made in, I guess, the, the 80s and, and 90s. So I, mean, I find that much more interesting purely because I know nothing mm. about any of those films. I, d- I don't know if you're familiar with any of them. No, no, no. And yeah. I'm so, curious uh, you know, to see. It, it's kind of, in a way... Um, the opposite extreme then really because it's sort of I, I, I kind of look if, if I was at, this, at the festival I'd be seeing all of those films definitely purely because I know nothing about them and then give, given the choice I'd go and see one of those rather than going to see Serpico if they're up against each other and I know that Variety is getting a wider release I know the BFI are going to be showing it um, in August I think let me go through some of the films that are programmed that I have seen and that I would recommend that people see. One of the things that surprised me looking at the program was that The Virgin Suicide, Sofia Coppola's film, is listed as a UK premiere. They mean UK premiere of a restoration. Ah, okay. I would highly recommend it. It's the first film by Sofia Coppola uh, who has got a, a filmography 
in the last 20 years uh, that is incomparable, a kind of, you know, a unique voice, a truly great filmmaker. And this is his, her first work. Uh, I've seen it and it has moments that I think are really inventive, uh, really girly in the best way that it kind of it shows you a different feeling and perception than you're normally used to. In the first few days, they have a real feminist slant. I would also highly recommend that people go see Meshes uh, of the Afternoon. It's uh, Maya Darren's great uh, film. It's one of the ex great experimental films, I think, of all time. It makes a real difference to see a film like that on a big screen. Also high on the list of the Sight and Sound poll, at number one, in fact, is John Dielman, uh, 23 Quai de Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. Uh, it's a really long film, and it's a wonderful film, and I think it's a film that you, you have to be immersed in to get the most uh, uh, out of it. The last film in that series that I'd recommend is The Last Seduction, which I think is, is built under the unlikable female characters section. And actually, it's interesting because I love that character and I love Linda Fiorentino in it. She's obviously pure evil. Yeah, she's meant to be a bad woman. But actually, I think there's a difference between being bad and being unlikable, uh, which I hope is something uh, that's explored uh, in the range of discussions that go along uh, with this. I'd, I'd like to highlight this film because it seemed in the early 90s that John Dahl was going to be the great director of noir for the next several years. He'd done kind of so many films in that vein. Hugely entertaining uh, film uh, that I'm very glad is getting attention now. The other uh, films that uh, I highly recommend, first is Wanda, uh, Barbara Loden's film, which is kind of had a resurgence in the last couple of years, I think also tied to a restoration. You know, this is now perceived as one of the great films of the 70s. The other is Portrait of Jason, yeah, by Shirley Clark, which is a film from, you know, 1967, which is a portrait of a, of a black queen, really. So at a time when there was almost no gay representation, you have, you know, this incredibly lively, dynamic, charismatic Jason Holiday talking about, you know, his life, right? And what an interesting mm -hmm. life it is. Again, I think that must be thrilling to see it with an audience. I the, the other thing they're showing that day is, which I know you saw in Bologna a couple of years ago, is The, the Mother and the Hawk. Yes. But, I mean, they've missed a trick, really, because they could have shown that in a really, really punishing double bill with Jean Dillman. Because ah. so, <laughs> Mother and the Hawk is even longer. Yeah. It's like nearly four hours, I think. Yes. And I have to admit, it's one that I, I've never seen because I tried watching it on DVD years and years ago. And, uh, it, it just found it unwatchable, but I think, it, as with Jean Dillman, it's probably one that really benefits from you being immersed in it. You have to see it on a big screen. It's quite demanding. It's quite a male perspective uh, on relationships. It's quite philosophical in that very French way. It's almost a cliched French film, you know, mm. which is, is about l'amour, but also kind of gender and exploitation and society and philosophy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something to, to see, uh, to be immersed in, and then to talk about it. It'll leave uh, uh, people with 
issues. <laughs> but, but, and I, I think that male perspective, you know, contrasted with the female perspective in Jean Dillman is why they'd make such a good double bill, you know, like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in the third day, there's all these 70s films. I think what I'd highlight out of all of those, not because it's a better film, but because it's the lesser seen film, uh, is Claudine. It has a performance nominated for an Academy Award uh, by Diane Carroll, you know, at a time when you could count the Academy nominations for black people on the fingers of one hand still. So it's a landmark film in all kinds of ways that is still kind of very little seen and very little discussed. Uh, and I would highlight that. The other f uh, films that uh, I would like to highlight is Salome, which is co-directed by Charles Bryant and Ala Nazimova and which has the most extraordinary imagery. It's almost like an Art Nouveau film. It's really quite extraordinary to look at. The last thing I'd like to highlight on that uh, Saturday is Eve's Bayou. Again, a landmark film, underseen uh, by Casey Lemons. And I'm very glad to see, you know, this, um, again, this perspective that highlights women's uh, cinema and black cinema. Uh, in that day uh, of mm. the program. In the last uh, day, I'd really like uh, to highlight uh, Morven Caller, the Lynn Ramsey film, which, uh, you know, I think is already uh, deserves status as a kind of classic, well, as a classic period. Uh, and I'm really glad it's being shown uh, there on a big screen. And the last thing I'd like to highlight, which we're going to talk about uh, in some length, is the UK premiere of Bushman. The other thing I'd mentioned that day, because they always have this kind of local focus, is uh, Yield to the Night, which is a, a British film directed by J. Lee Thompson, who is, is from Bristol. It's a very interesting film. It's, it's 1956. It's about, it stars uh, Diana Dawes. It's very similar to the Ruth Ellis case. It's about, about, about a woman uh, sentenced to hang, and she's in the condemned cell, and she kind of remembers the the events leading up to, to the murder, kind of British noir, really. The other thing that I see is that they're also showing After Sen, uh, which, you know, to my mind, was the best film uh, of 2022. I think that wraps up our overview of 2023 uh, cinema rediscovered. Obviously, we've only really talked about the things that we've known or that we've seen elsewhere, whereas if we were going to the festival, we would you know, make a beeline for exactly those things that we hadn't had an opportunity to see or, or that we knew very little about, which is you know, what, what these uh, great programs encourage, uh, a bit of a lopsided kind of overview, um, but hopefully one that will be of some use to you if you haven't uh, encountered uh, some of those titles that we've talked about. Thank you all very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film, and we will return with a lengthy discussion of Bushman, one of the highlights of this year's uh, Cinema Rediscovered programs. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.